Yeah, hello. Uh, my name's Bob Rabarczyk, and this is My Life Wildlife. Currently, I'm a refuge manager for four land units, the Kayakuk, Nowitna, and Anoko National Wildlife Refuges, located in central Alaska. And our uh, main office is in Galena, but we also have an office in McGrath. We try to ensure that the animals, uh, plants and animals, have what they need to survive. Each refuge has establishing legislation that identifies what it was specifically set aside for. In the case of the Kayakuk Refuge, it's, it's for moose and other wildlife, fur bears, and uh, habitat associated with those animals in order to survive. The Anoka Refuge, a little different in that it was set aside specifically both for historical purposes and also waterfowl. There's a lot of lowland areas, riverine areas that we manage for specifically waterfowl and uh, their livelihood. And the Nowitna, same primary mandates, wildlife and, and waterfowl. But also because of that river, we have some unique habitats that um, you don't have everywhere else in the world. And um, we try to protect all of those so that they're there for the public. When the refuges were set aside, they were set aside specifically to also ensure subsistence uses for Native people to continue their normal way of life, which includes hunting and fishing and berry gathering and taking fur for clothing, things like that. So we manage for a variety of purposes, but bottom line is, is to ensure that we have a good uh, habitat for wildlife into the future. I was very interested in wildlife from an early age, but went to college, uh, started at the University of New Mexico, and uh, I took two years of just basic educational courses with a desire to get into wildlife management. But at the time, the University of Mexico didn't have a wildlife program. And so I transferred to Colorado State University in 1976, uh, went to a summer school training, and then got my degree in wildlife biology from Colorado State University in 1978. And then I worked for the Forest Service for a couple of seasons after that as a uh, wilderness ranger. They established new wilderness areas in uh, Colorado in um, 1977. And I was hired to basically go into the wilderness five day, days a week with a backpack and talk to people about the new wilderness and educate them about the new regulations uh, associated with wilderness like Dogs needed to be on a leash. You weren't allowed to camp less than 100 feet from uh, any uh, trail, stream, or water, water body like a lake. And then numerous other things. But uh, basically, I was paid to hike around and talk to people five days a week in the wilderness with a backpack. And uh, kind of a good way to spend your time. I started <laughs> with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in 1990, actually at the Wichita Mountains National Wildlife Refuge down in uh, southern Oklahoma. I was hired on as a fire technician 
That was the first round of money that Congress set aside for the Fish and Wildlife Service to actually establish a fire program. And I was hired under the first round of funding for that. I was hired as a GS7 fire technician, and I moved up from there into a manager role, the fire management officer role. I always wanted to go to Alaska, and I got the opportunity in 1995 to take the fire management officer job at the uh, Kaikaknawitna Anoko refuges out of Galena, but I also had fire management responsibilities for, at that time, Selawik Refuge, Kanuti Refuge, and part of Yukon Delta Refuge. All are located in the western half of uh, northern Alaska. I knew that Alaska was uh, remote and um, not very highly populated, and I tend to like those kind of places. More than two-thirds of it is roadless. It's wilderness, it's wild, and it's still mostly that way. There are not significant dams. There are areas off the refuge that are being impacted by mining and timber cutting and things like that, but the refuge lands are still natural, intact ecosystems. And it's a joy for me to be able to go out and, and see those places in their natural state and to try to keep them that way. I'm kind of a jack of all trades. My whole life, I wanted to be a game warden. My parents would take us camping. We would go for a couple weeks every summer. And as I grew up, I looked more and more forward to those two weeks every summer when I could go out in the woods and fish. I love fishing. It just so happens that my last name, Rybarczyk, is Polish, and literally translated Rybarczyk means dead fish. So I know that my ancestors were fishermen, and I love fishing and hunting and being outdoors. and. Uh, I guess I would classify myself as a, an outdoor enthusiast that uh, gets to manage land for the federal public. It's kind of a, a neat way to spend a career. Either you like Alaska or you don't. There's no middle ground there, I, I don't think. And you have to have hobbies. Uh, you have to have other things to do when it's dark and cold in the winter. I've taken up building strip canoes, and um, I've built three canoes. I, I built my first canoe with my dad when I was in the seventh grade, and then I built my second canoe in 2015, and I built my last canoe in the last federal government shutdown, and I call it the furlough canoe. And um, it's a canoe that I built. It's made out of birch, and uh, I cut the trees. I milled the boards. I made the lumber, and then subsequently the strips, and then I made the canoe. So that's one of my hobbies. It's a passion. They take a long time. It takes about 250 hours to build one canoe, but it's very rewarding. They're beautiful. Um, they're literally, I think, they're works of art when you get done with them. I build them to use them, and uh, it's just uh, something that I like to do. 
I've had the unique opportunity to manage four land units of three refuges where we, we don't have any established roads on those refuge lands. The only trails are historic trails that have been used by snowmobilers. We don't allow ATVs or other motorized vehicles other than snowmobiles on the snow, on historically established trails. Your access is by boat on the water or over the ice and snow in the winter by snowmobile or, you know, some type of an overland vehicle like that. So. The, the lands that I manage are, are mostly still natural. I won't say they don't have human interaction, but they're mostly still natural ecosystems. And it is uh, the natural system that includes wildfires and floods and, you know, just things that happen, earthquakes, volcanoes, that really have the biggest impacts on the land. Now, until most recently, I do believe that uh, climate change and the Anthropocene, man's effect on the environment, is starting to play a very significant role on what happens on the land. And using the word naturally is maybe not appropriate because it's an influence that man has brought and is bringing to the natural environment. And it is something that we in Alaska are having to deal with every day. And because of that, we're trying to become more proactive about what's going on and what can we do. We need to try to get out in front of this. We need to stop the permafrost melting. We need to curtail potentially wildfires burning on the landscape, which would have been a natural occurrence uh, and still is a natural occurrence. Over 90% of the fires that start where I live in, in Alaska are lightning fires. They're not started by man, but man's influence on global warming has caused more fires to occur now over the landscape and thus the landscape's changing. We're moving from what may have been a, a spruce forest to more of an open grassland area or deciduous type environment. That brings a whole different set of dynamics to how frequent fires occur, how severely they burn, and the effects on the wildlife and the total environment are huge. So it's something that managers in Alaska are dealing with daily. And we see the effects of climate change and global warming every day. I'm hopeful that we can get out in front of climate change and still be able to manage the lands that we manage as naturally as possible. Because personally, I feel like nature has been doing it for a long time. And it is how we should try to manage as much hands off as possible. 
I'm hoping that we can continue to try and go down that road. I don't know. I don't know what we're, what um, what change is coming with the extremes that are being presented with global warming that's occurring right now and the, the changes that are going to force that direction. I might be proudest of just being able to work with the people that I've been able to work with, biologists, public use folks, law enforcement folks, all of those individuals that work to help manage the Fish and Wildlife Service lands are phenomenal people. They take their job personally and they try to do the best job they can do. And uh, I guess that's what I've always tried to do. I hope I've done right. Um, that's my hope. This has been My Life Wildlife, a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. Producers Lisa Hupp and Chris Pacheco. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Race Car. Produced and story edited by Charlotte Moore Lambert. Audio editing, sound design, and original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Production manager, Gabriella Montekin. Artwork by Michelle Lawson. In Alaska, the employees of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are shared stewards of world-renowned natural resources and our nation's last true wild places. The lands and waters of this place we call home nourish a vast and unique array of fish, wildlife, and people. Our hope is that each generation has the opportunity to live with, live from, discover, and enjoy the wildness of this awe-inspiring land and the people who love and depend on it.